which is very exciting. Some youth have no hair, which is also interesting, but exciting. And uh, it's good to be here. We did come, or we are coming off of what, what I called, this, is our, this summer was our 24th summer at Parkside Ranch, coming up on our 25th anniversary, hard to believe. Uh, this was the most exciting summer uh, out of all the 24 years. Um, a couple years ago, we were, were revisioning and thinking about the camp and where we want to go. And, and the chunk of our vision is we want to put the gospel into every home in the Orford Magog region. So we want to get everyone, every home gets to hear the gospel. And so that's kind of been our vision, and God honors that. And this summer, well, first thing that happened is in the spring, this guy shows up. His name is Claude. He says, I have some Bibles coming from the Gideons. I want to give you some. Could, could you store some? And we're saying, oh, fine, fine, work out. Anyway, the tractor-trailer trucks start coming in, and we end up with a quarter million Bibles on our hands. That's 20 pallets. I mean, you couldn't get in our garage anymore. The little church down the road is packed to the ceiling. Um, God just gave us a quarter million French Bibles. And we're like, God is up to something that he gave us all these Bibles. And so we've been giving away Bibles like crazy. If you step on the grounds, you're getting one because <laughs> we have to get rid of them. Okay, so, so there's that. That's kind of started off. And then we had the day camp. And as Jen shared, we were giving out Bibles. And the kids were taking them home. And their parents were coming back. What is this? Oh, let me tell you what that is. And it was an exciting summer. We had about 20 kids from our street come to camp. And uh, so, I mean, these are kids that we see every day now. Our after-school horse club is full, and the kids are, are, are receiving the gospel, and they're hearing about it, and they're excited about it. We started a Ped Day day camp, so when, you know, when the kids are out of school and there's nothing going on, the parents want to get rid of the kids, we open that. We had a little boy, this last one, he comes in, he goes, this is great, we're doing our should but when's the Bible story? Oh, score! Anyway, so God is doing great stuff, and, and it's exciting to be part of it. So, we're going to be reading from Samuel. Don't, 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 don't. I tell the kids, don't do this. Do not turn there. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 16, but do me a favor and don't go there. I will read. No, I'm not going to read even. I'm going to tell the story. Because part of the fun we had this story this summer was story time with Greg. And so what we're going to do is unpack a story here. And from this story, we will get to read out of the Bible eventually. I'll let, you, I'll let you look at some stuff. But I want you to do is put yourself in the story. So the setting here in 1 Samuel, Saul is king of Israel. He's been king for a while. And things are eh, not going so good with Saul. He's made a few mistakes. He has trouble with obedience. And he keeps disobeying God. And finally, God says, I'm done with you. And he tells Samuel, look it, there's this, there's this place I want you to go. Take your, take your horn of oil. And there's someone there I want you to anoint as king. And Samuel goes, oh, Saul's going to kill me. And God goes, yeah, I know. So we're going to go undercover. So get a cow. Take the cow with you. And you're going to this little town called Bethlehem. And when you're there, you're going to sacrifice to the Lord. So you're undercover, Samuel. Don't tell anybody about the whole anointing thing until you get there. So Samuel gets his cow and he heads off to Bethlehem. 
And he gets to Bethlehem and he shows up at the city gate and everyone's going, whoa, Samuel's here. Huh? What are we going to do? Oh, no. And they go, Samuel, I, what? Why are you here? Are you in peace? Or, or is there a problem? And the parents says, no, no, we're in here. We're here for peace, and we're bringing a sacrifice. Everyone goes, okay, good. This is weird because he never comes to Bethlehem, but welcome, Samuel. And, and so they, they get together, and God says, there's, a, there's somebody I want you to do to anoint for king. And so they get there, and, and there's Jesse's family, and there's the boys, and Samuel goes, okay, now I have to pick out the boys. So Jesse, have your sons come by. I, I want to have a look at them. So Eliab, the firstborn, big guy, strong, walks by in front of Samuel. And Samuel goes, whoa, look at this guy. He is the one. And God goes, yeah, no, he's not the one. Next. And they bring the next one by. And he comes by and Samuel goes, God goes, yeah, no, he's not the one. And they do this for seven kids go by, and the kids are all gone, and, and Samuel hasn't told anyone what's going on yet. And Samuel's kind of going, um, God, what happened here? Because the kids have gone by, and you haven't said anything to me other than no, 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 no. What's up? So he goes, Jesse, do you, do you have any more kids? Oh, yeah, 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 there's, there's the kid. I don't know, he's what, maybe 12, 13 years old? Yeah, he's out with the sheep. Samuel's like, get him. Bring that one here. He wasn't even invited to the party, but go get that one and bring that one here. We're not sitting down for this party until he shows up. So they send someone out to get David. So he's walking in now just out of shepherd land. You know? So he's out there sleeping with the sheep, eating with the sheep, doing all the sheep stuff. He smells like a sheep. You know, his hair is all sheepish. You know, so he comes into the party looking like a shepherd, Smells like a shepherd. And God says, that's the one, anoint him. And so Samuel goes over to David. He's maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 years old. So kids, put yourself in there for adults. Go back a long, long time when you were 12 to 15 year old. What were you doing? What were you thinking for your kids? And he takes his horn of oil and pours it over David's head and anoints him as king of Israel. You're 12 years old. What's going for your mind? Okay, let's bring it down. You have just been named king of Canada. You're in charge. You're the man. Thomas was king of the sandbox for a little while this summer. Did a great job. But you're the king. You're the man. It's all, it's all yours. You are the king. And you're what? Maybe 13 years old? And you're going, oh. So he was anointed king. He was given a promise by God right there that you're going to be king of Israel. Second thing that happens to David at that instant is that he receives a super big dose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit at that point says, comes on him with power. And so he's a different person now. You know, five minutes ago, he was the, the kid at, with the sheep. Now, he's the king of Israel, and he has been given the Holy Spirit as a gift that will be with him the rest of his life with power. Let me just challenge each of us here for a second. 
When you accepted Christ as your Savior, a couple things happened. First thing that happened was, you are anointed by God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. We're not going to go there. You were anointed by God. The second thing that happened to you is you receive the Holy Spirit with power. So the things that happened to David are the exact same things that happened to us. So something very special. You didn't get to be king. Maybe you will be, but you don't get to be king. But, but you have those two things. You have an anointing by God for a special purpose, and you have the Holy Spirit with power living inside of you, living inside of us. So the day goes on. They have their feasts. Now there's a problem here. Saul, if Saul finds out about this, we're all dead. Because that would be the normal thing to do, is to kill the family. Any challenges to the kingship, they're dead. You wipe them out. So this is kind of on the hush-hush, like we're not going to tell anybody about this, okay? This is all good. David, go back to the sheep. And nothing happened here. Samuel goes back to Ramah, goes back home. Nothing happened here. No one saw anything. Life goes back to normal, sort of. So David goes back to taking care of the sheep. He's only 13. That's what 13-year-olds get to do. And, and life goes on. And there's a block of time when David actually gets called into Saul's service as a, as a musician. We're not going to look at that. But he, he did get to go to see Saul a couple times. He was a little bit familiar with the whole kingship. And he was kind of looking around, trying, you know, trying to figure out how the, all this is working out. But he's not saying anything about the fact that he's been anointed. So a little bit of time goes by, and, and we're going to war. And so the Israelites all get together. The Philistines come by, and they're lining up in Judah. The battleground is taking place basically in Bethlehem's backyard. So it's like, you know, this is on, this is on island, on Montreal, that this is taking place. So if things go bad, it's going to affect you. So there's a battle about to take place, and the Philistines are lined up, and Israel's lined up, and Saul's there, and he got the whole army, and everyone's ready to go for this big battle. And this really big guy comes walking out of the Philistine lines. He's nine feet high. Nine feet high. He's got a coat of armor around his chest that weighs 135 pounds. He's got like armor everywhere. He's got this big bronze helmet on his head. And he's got a spear with a tip that weighs 15 pounds that will puncture any armor on the planet. So he walks out, and you know, they're doing the trash talking back and forth, and everyone's like, rah, 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 rah. And he walks out, and he starts trash talking the nation of Israel. And the gig is, look at you send a guy, we'll fight, whoever wins, wins the battle, and it's over. And so normally, the king would be the one to go out and take this guy on, because Saul was actually the only one in Israel that had armor. So it would have been Saul's job to go out and take this guy on and beat him and then on with the battle. But Saul's looking at this and it's like going up a main battle tank with a stick. Because you're not going to beat this guy. He's nine feet tall. He's got a reach that's like this long. And he's got this big huge spear with a 15 pound tip on it that'll go through Saul's armor like butter. And this is a lose-lose situation. So ain't no one going out there. So this goes on for 40 days. They all, everyone gets dressed up and all their stuff. They go out, they line up, they trash talk each other. This guy comes out and everyone goes, oh, and runs away. 
So back in Bethlehem, David's dad, Jesse, says, look it, um, I need you to go send some food for your brothers because in the army back then, the family would send food to take care of the soldiers. They didn't have MRIs or anything like that back then. So David loads up his donkey with a bunch of stuff and some gifts for the commander of the thousands of his brothers, and he heads off to the battle lines. It's not all that far away. And he gets there, and it's morning, and everyone's lining up for the battle. And so he leaves the food and everything with the, the guy who's in charge of all that stuff, and he goes out to see his brothers to see how they're doing. There's three of them fighting with Saul there. You know, he shows up and says, how's, how's it going? Da, 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 da. And this Goliath guy shows up. And David's kind of like, ah, what's this? Really big guy. And, and, this, and this guy starts shouting and yelling. And, and he says a couple things that gets David a little bit upset. Uh, like, he's, he's cursing Israel. He's cursing Israel's God. And David's like, who's, who's this guy? Now, remember what has happened to David. He's been anointed king. He has a mission in life. David's going somewhere. David's been told by God that you are going to be king. That's a promise from God. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit with power. And so he's looking at this situation, and some of this stuff starts to kick in. This, this, this situation with Goliath actually is my responsibility. I'm, I'm going to be the king. This, this can't go on. This guy can't be here. And he's getting upset. Everyone else is trembling in fear, and David's getting upset about it. And so he's talking to the guys, the other soldiers, you know, what, what's the deal with this guy? What's going on? How come, how come no one's going out to fight him yet? And everyone's like, nah, nah, nah. and his brothers are getting mad at him because our kid brother, who's got anointed as king, has shown up and he's causing trouble and talking to people and everyone's getting upset because of him. But word finally gets to Saul that this kid is, is, is talking like this. So Saul says, bring, bring the kid over because at this point they're desperate for anything. And, and, and Saul looks at him and goes, what, what, what are you doing? And David says, don't worry, I got this. I'll go out and take on Goliath and take him out. And Saul goes, uh, yeah, well, you're like what, maybe 15? And he's nine feet tall and he's got all this armor. And that's, that's very courageous of you. But no, <laughs> that's not going to happen because it's, it's over real quick, you see? And, and so there's a very thin line between courage and stupidity. And sometimes they look a lot alike because um, this is pure suicide. You know, a 15-year-old kid, you know, about this big, goes out against a nine-foot monster in full battle armor. You know, that's a lose-lose situation. But David says something to Saul, hey, look it. You know, I was taking care of the sheep and one day this lion comes out and snags a sheep. And David, as a good shepherd, goes, no, you're not taking my sheep. And he runs after the lion. He's got a big old club in his hand, and he whacks the lion. The lion drops the sheep, turns on David. David grabs the lion by the beard, and whacka, 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 kills the lion. Not everybody kills lions. And then a bear comes out, snags a sheep. 
Same thing happens. David goes after the bear. Hits the bear. The bear drops the sheep, turns on David. David grabs the bear and whacka, whacka, kills the bear. So he's killed a lion and he's killed a bear to protect his sheep. And so he says to Saul, God has protected me from a lion and a bear and this guy is going to be no different than them. And everyone is going to know that there's a God in Israel. So remember, David was courageous, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and God was going to take the glory. So as the story goes on, Saul goes, okay, okay, you can go. This is crazy, but you can go. So Saul takes all of his armor and sticks it on David. David's just like 15. Saul's a big guy. Remember, he was the biggest guy in Israel, and David's trying to walk around. And this just ain't working, you know. <laughs> he can't do anything. So he says, I, I can't go in this stuff. Takes all the armor off. And, and he picks up his sling. And he goes to the brook and picks up five smooth stones. Side thing here. Just in case you're wondering, children, do not do this at home. But when I was at camp, not, camp, not Parkside, this is a disclaimer. Uh, it was a Saturday. It was kind of between the staff who were hanging around. We said, hey, why don't we make one of those things? and see what these things can really do. So, so we kind of made what we thought would be a sling that maybe David would have, and we found some rocks, and we put in the sling, we did a and very quickly we realized something. That can kill. Because we just threw a rock a quarter mile. We were like, oh, that thing really, yeah. If you actually knew how to use that thing, yeah, that'll do a job on somebody. And if you're within 100 yards, it's going to punch a hole in you. So David had a legit lethal weapon with him. And I can imagine that when you're out taking care of sheep, sometimes you get bored and you, I bet you I can hit that tree way over there. And, and so you spend a lot of time doing that. So he's pretty good with this thing. And it is, a, it is a legit weapon. And then there's also the God factor. So David heads out with his sling and his five stones and, and Goliath sees him. Now, this, this I have to read because this is good. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So, Goliath's been trash-talking. This is Dave's response. I'm coming at you with God. And everyone's going to know about this. And so the Philistine's like, oh, I'm going to get to it. So David takes off running towards the battle line. He gets a stone in the sling, around and around and around really fast. Let's it go. I am sure he was a good shot. I am sure God was involved. And there's one place in Goliath's armor that there is no armor, and that's right here. And that is where the rock hits him, right smack in the forehead, it says the rock sank into his head. Of course, we all know what happens then. 
Goliath collapses to the ground with a crash. Everyone's going, <gasps> David runs up to him, pulls his own sword out, and wacko, chops his head off. And now the party's on, right? The war is on, and, and things go on. But that's an event, an event in a what? A young teenager's life. What all happened there? How did that happen? How does that apply to us? How does it apply to you guys? First off, <clears throat> we mentioned this. <coughs> David was given a mission by God. He was given an anointing. You are going to be king. I challenge everyone in the room today. Do you have a sense of God's mission for your life? Even if you have gray hair, you can answer this question. Do you have a sense of God's mission for your life? For you young people, do you have a sense that God has something specifically for you to do? He's given you some gifts. Let me also say this, that everyone's mission is custom made by God. So the God, mission that God gives you, he did not give the person sitting next to you. But he has given each of us a mission. He's given us gifts and abilities to do the mission that he has given us. And that mission may change throughout your life. It may vary and go some different directions. But for everybody here, if you're a believer in God, God has a mission for you. Do you know what it is? Parkside has a mission. And, and everything we do has to come into focus with that mission somehow. Do you have a sense that God has a mission for you? Because he does. And it's very easy to get busy with all kinds of stuff and forget about the mission. But there's a mission that God has for you. Figure out what that is. And we'll look at that a little bit if you need some help. But figure out what that mission is and make that a focus in your life. And God's going to give you the ability. He's given you the exact same Holy Spirit that he gave David. The exact same one is living in you. You have amazing abilities to do whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And it may be take out a giant. It may be something else. But the other thing I want to look at is in Psalm 78. Um, you can turn here if you want. God kind of is doing a little bit of a history lesson. And interestingly, he wraps up at the end of this chapter a little section about David. A little history about David. You know, the other interesting thing about David, this kid, this 15-year-old kid, is going to become the standard by which every other king in Israel will be measured against. He becomes the standard. But here's God's testimony about David. He chose David his servant. We're in verse 70. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob. Of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. What doesn't it say here? 
It doesn't say that David whacked Goliath. It doesn't say that David became a great king. What God was looking at, David his servant. What God is looking at, David the shepherd. <clears throat> David the one who looked after God's inheritance. David the one who with integrity of heart and with skillful hands led his people. David did some amazing things. But those amazing things aren't here. What things are important to God? What things in eternity matter to God? And this is some of them here. This is what God, when he sees David, he sees a shepherd. Someone who is caring for and looking after his people. That's what God is seeing of David. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. And this is where I want to challenge you. What is your mission? What has God given you to do? And as I read this um, two weeks ago, uh, it was just random reading. Actually, I said, boy, if that doesn't exactly fall in line with the way God sees David... Here, here, we'll just, I'll just read it here. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whoever did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So what does that look like in terms of our mission? For, you, for, the, for the young people here, every day you walk into a battlefield. It's called high school. I remember high school. They say school is rough these days. My daughter's a teacher. We have a couple of teachers. School is rough. I remember high school that in my high school, there were police officers and state troopers in every hallway to stop the fighting. Because there was always blood in the hallway from the fights that were going on in high school. The high school that I went to was a war zone. A lot of high schools today are the same way. And even, it's, even if it's not physical fighting, there's pressure, intimidation, Bullying, all kinds of bad stuff happens in high school. And you guys walk in there every day and have to survive that. And hopefully learn something. Arithmetic, you know, science, languages, all that good stuff. Try and learn some stuff while you're there. But you walk into that environment. What is God's mission for you in that environment? <clears throat> so let's paint the picture. 
you, you, you know the deal. You're walking to school, and it's like, okay, where's my friends? Because it's good to have friends in high school. You want to hang with your friends because if you're a little bigger group than just yourself, you have a chance of getting through the day. Okay, so, so you got your friends, and you kind of stick with them, and you go as a group to your lockers and stuff, too. So you survive the day. Um, and you go to the lunchroom, and you're looking around, and you want to position yourself in a place where there's not going to be a fight. Um, and so you, you kind of got your table, and you got your friends, and okay, we're going to get through lunch. You got through lunch, and in my dining room, there was always a food fight, and police had to come and break it up. So you, you made it through lunch, and so now, now you work your way back to class, and at the end of the day, okay, we made it another day. Let's get out of here. And, and you walk out the door, and you go home and do your homework. But in that whole process of that stuff, what, what's God's mission for you? Well, let me challenge you to think of high school differently. Let me challenge the older people to think of your workplace differently. And let me challenge the really, really old people to think of your neighborhood where you live differently. When you walk out on the street, when you walk into work, when you walk into your high school, God has a mission for you. Obviously, there's a great commission that all of us have the responsibility of sharing the gospel. But based on what I see here, there's a different mission, and this will change your school. This will change the, your work. This will change your neighborhood. And this is what is working at Parkside. So when you, when you go to school, and you, and you get your group of friends, and you, there's always that kid who's all alone, what happens when you go over and say, good morning, and call them by name? And just be nice to them. What happens when you go to the lunchroom and there's always that kid sitting by themselves because no one really likes them and maybe they smell bad? You take your lunch and go over and sit with them. That's risky. That's like fighting giants. That is risky business doing something like that. And what happens when someone needs help? What happens when you go in and you notice there's a kid in school that's looking down that day because, for who knows whatever reason? Do you go over and Interact with them and say, hey, what's going on? See, because just the simple things. <clears throat> My wife has a very big job at camp. Her job is to make sure that everybody that walks on camp feels like they just came home. So it usually involves food. She's cooking all the time. That whoever comes into camp is probably going to get invited for, for lunch or for dinner, and they're welcome home. And, and people come home all the time because it's a place for their love. Hospitality. When you meet people, how do they feel around you? Are they like, oh, there is so-and-so. Oh, I'm so glad to see them. Because they're a really kind person. And, and, and they know my name. I mean, this is neighborhood, school, work, wherever. Just being a kind person. When, when you see someone at school who needs something, obviously they need some clothing. They need something. Whatever it is they need, are you going to go back home and go, hey, mom and dad, this, this kid is about size this and such. He needs something. Or this kid doesn't have a winter coat. Or needs sneakers. or Whatever it is. They need something, and, and, and you look. You go to school and you look around and go, who, who here needs something that I can help them with? 
In your neighborhood, who needs something that you can help them with? In your workplace, who needs something that you can help them with? Look for those things. They're there. And meet that need. Meet that need. As, as Jen mentioned, we don't preach the gospel when we do equine therapy. Um, we're, we're basically on the government. And so we have an understanding with the government that when we're doing equine therapy, we are not preaching at them. There's opportunities when we do preach at people, but during that time we don't. But we are meeting a need that they have. And they have a physical or psychological need. They have a spiritual need. The biggest need that everybody on planet Earth has, regardless if you're a Christian or not, is to be loved. And when people have a sense that you actually care, that you actually love them, it changes everything. And so when people come on camp and they engage our staff, it's not too long. Sometimes it's less than minutes. They go, what's going on here? I'm not sure what this is, but I like it. And these people actually care about me. And these people care about my son or daughter on that horse. What's going on here? And, and we pray that they always ask, and they always ask the question, what is it? What's going on here? Why? This is amazing. And then, as Jen said, okay, seems as how you asked, we get to share. And then we do activities. We did our, our fall outreach. We were able to do our Thanksgiving thing. We had a whole ton of parents come for, um, from our therapy things, come to our fall outreach. And then they lined up at the Christian farmer's booth and heard the gospel. Okay, you're going to hear it again in a different way. And that was really exciting. Just a side note, we, had, we, did, we were able to do our fall outreach. We had about 150 people show up. We had Thanksgiving dinner outside. Christian farmers came. They set up the little booth. And they were sharing the gospel, and they were so excited because people were lining up to hear the gospel. And they had a number of people who have never heard of Jesus or even thought about the concept of God. And so they got to unpack the scripture to them from the beginning to the end, and the people were like glued in listening to what they had to say. It was very exciting. Um, so God's doing amazing things, but it's just by being nice is the start of all this to be kind, look around in school, what do people need, look around your neighborhood. You have a mission if you want to take it. You know, David could have said, oh, thanks for the anointing, <laughs> no, 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 I'm out of here, I don't want any of that stuff. But he didn't. He took his mission seriously, took out a lion, took out a bear. Why did he do that? Took out Goliath, because he had faith. Because God told him that you are going to be king. Now, if you think that through, I'm an engineer, so I think logically. You say, I'm going to be king. Am I a king right now? No. So I am basically immortal until God fulfills that promise. Because God promised me that I'm going to be king. So I can do all kinds of ridiculous stuff that people would say is stupid. But I can go take on Goliath because I have a promise that I'm going to be king. And that hasn't come true yet. So by faith in God that he's going to fulfill his promise, I can go do stuff that the average person can't do 
because of a faith and relationship with God. In your high school, you can do stuff that the average person can't do because of your faith and relationship with God. You're probably not going to whack anybody. That would be bad. But, you know, just in terms of being kind and generous and thoughtful of the kids in your class and the kids in the hallway and the kids in the lunchroom, the kids on the playground, that will change the world in that school. And they will know that there is a God in your school if you do that. They will know that there is a God in your workplace if you do that. I'm going to tell a quick story. Then I think my time's up, isn't it? Yeah, quick story. Um, Pre-Parkside, Pat and I had a business, and uh, I traveled trade shows. And uh, so we would go from show to show to show all over the North America. And usually the same people would travel the trade shows with you. So we were in uh, Valley Forge, Philadelphia, and I get up and I go to my booth in the trade show in the morning to get set up. And I get there, and there's 30, at least 30 other show people in my booth. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe they want to buy my stuff. Why are they all in my booth? I mean, they have their own work to do, and you know, I know all these people because we've been working together, and they're all in my booth. I'm going, what's going on? So I walk in, and they're all there, and with them they have a young lady who has just had a crisis in her life. And all of these other people didn't know what to do. But they knew that Pat and I had something special. And we had never preached to all these people. We would say hello. We were kind. If somebody needed some help, we would help them. But we never preached to them. But there's a crisis in someone's life. What are we going to do? And they brought their lady to my booth because they knew that I had an answer that could help. And that answer, of course, is the Lord. They didn't know anything about the Lord, but they knew that there was an answer there. In your workplace, when there's a crisis, when they need help, when someone needs love, you should be the person they go to. Your life, your actions, your love, your kindness should change the environment that you are working in. And everyone should know that there is a God right there. And when the crisis comes, they're going to go to you. When COVID comes, they're going to go because they're looking for answers and they're scared, they should be coming to us. We have the joy at Parkside to say they're coming to us. It's exciting to see watching God. I am thankful for COVID. It makes me crazy, but I am thankful because God has used it to open up in an amazing way his ministry in our neighborhood. And so God is honoring our vision. He's honoring our mission, and he's doing it. And we have the joy of saying that everyone will know that there is a God right here at Parkside Ranch. And it's going to change this neighborhood. It can change your school. It can change your workplace. It can change your neighborhood. God has a mission for you. Think about it. If you've never thought about it, think about it. What does God have for you to do? And let's get on it. With faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, thank you that you are a great God. Thank you for the example of David. Thank you for his courage and doing stuff that everyone else was afraid to do. Help us to have the same courage when we walk into our high school tomorrow morning or into our workplace 
or into our neighborhood. Give us the courage to stand for you. Give us boldness to speak for you. Help us to love. Help us to be kind. Help us to clothe. Help us to be hospitable. That the world may know that there is a God.